Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Buck and Eddie from 911. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. So 911 is a thing that I think you probably didn't even know existed when I first suggested it. Not only did I not know it existed, but obviously this episode has come several episodes into our run of the podcast. And for a while, I would go back to our podcast list and be like, wait, what's 911? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my brain uh, it's a firefighter procedural. Don't worry about it. Right. Which has been on for four seasons at this point so it's not like it's a new show well to be fair it has the most generic title it could possibly have Mm, that's true for a show about first responders (laughs) so they're not really trying hard with the title it's not attention grabbing but it is a ryan murphy executive produced show it is highly advertised on fox it's a big show for them if you're not watching fox though you're probably not seeing any of the ads. And I don't usually have cable. Exactly. So it's easy to miss it. <laughs> but 911 is, as I've alluded to, a firefighter procedural. There are There is a cop character and the sort of like gimmick of it is that you're seeing a lot of it through the lens of the 911 call center operators. So they're connecting all of these various elements. It takes place in LA. You're mostly with all of these firefighters and EMTs at a specific firehouse in LA. And the specific characters that we are here to talk about are Buck and Eddie, who are both firefighters. So we'll do our usual who has seen what part of the conversation. How did we, how do we get you up to speed on 911? Well, once again, you gave me a watch list. Thank you. You're welcome. I watched about, I think, 12 episodes. And then there were also a couple of, uh, clips you gave me from some additional episodes so that is what I have seen Maddie what have you seen I have seen all four seasons of the show Eddie one of the characters is not in the first season so all of the episodes that you watched are between seasons two and four Mm -hmm. and I think it's a fun show like not that that's really the purview of this episode but it's a good procedural if you like procedurals what are the elements of the Buck and Eddie relationship so This was interesting for me again, right? I'm not seeing a large percentage of of the actual show. It reminded me very heavily of McDano. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot in common between both of these these ships. So, you know, one of them has has kids or a kid and there's like a domestic component of them being two dads and... Yeah, the friend helping to raise their friend's kids is an interesting element to both of them. Yeah, it, it, it struck me as a little similar, and obviously we'll get into the, the elements of how the creators interact with the fans, and I, I guess that's a, a bit of a different tale, but, you know, they're both, again, procedural, there's tension, people are in danger, Yeah, yada, yada, yada. They're saving people and stuff. I mean, yeah. they're beating up fewer people than Steve and Dan. Which honestly is good because they're like EMTs. So really that would be Yeah, if your firefighters are coming into the situation and kicking your ass for information, that probably seems like not helpful. Yeah. So where we meet the two of them at the beginning of season two, they're introducing Eddie as a new character. And I kid you not, the origin of their relationship 
the entire <laughs> premise of how they meet each other is uh, Buck is mad because Eddie's too hot. That's, <laughs> that's how their story starts. So at the beginning of season two, the I guess they're selecting firefighters from the L.A. firehouses to be in the men of L.A. FD calendar. Everyone knows about the firefighter calendar. And Buck is like trying to go up for this firefighter thing. And Eddie's new to the station. And they introduce him by showing him putting a shirt on in slow motion and playing what a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. So that's the setup. Buck's pissed because Eddie's so hot. And then they work together in a firefightery type way. They put their lives in each other's hands. And then all of a sudden, they're best friends. And not only are they all of a sudden best friends, I don't know how far apart these two episodes were, but uh, relatively, I guess, okay, they're two, it's the next episode. They're not, I was gonna say, they're not apart. <laughs> they are together. <laughs> so they have this, this conflict because Eddie's too handsome and Buck is jealous and uh-huh. Eddie's like, I don't really understand what's going on. Why are you pissed at me? We just met each other. And then the next episode, Buck learns Eddie has a son uh, named Christopher, who he immediately is like, oh, cute kid. I love kids. And then so there's this huge earthquake in the episode. It spans over a couple episodes. Obviously, they're out and about. Eddie is worried about what's going on with his his son because he's a single parent and he doesn't have a great mm-hmm. support system in an L.A. at um, for his son. And so after, you know, they get through the day, Buck drives Eddie to pick up Christopher from school late. And the look Buck gives Eddie as Eddie is hugging his son is he's in love with him already. Like it's it it's like the third episode yeah. <laughs> that they're together in. Yeah. It's a real tender look. Like it's the second he sees him with his son, his heart is just melted and he's completely latches himself on to them as a family unit and decides like he's part of this now. <laughs> and yeah. so then he immediately proceeds to do a bunch of like very intimate friend stuff with him where like he knows that Eddie needs someone to help him take care of Christopher. So this caretaker woman that he knew from the first season, he introduces them and she helps get Christopher set up in like a good school for what, oh, I don't think we've mentioned Christopher has cerebral palsy. So there's like Mm -hmm. a special needs situation and they're navigating, you know, what school he should go to and Buck helps with that. And he all of a sudden is just like with them all the time doing stuff together they're just a little family unit from like episode four on (laughs) yeah when they've just met each other so there are these moments in the second season which is their first season where buck's sister who's also in the show and is a 911 operator starts to tease him about his like affection for eddie so he has been moping over his ex-girlfriend from the first season for most of season two and there's a time when maddie his sister says so does your boy crush mean you're over abby she's like constantly mentioning eddie and when maddie meets chimney who's another firefighter and eddie they're all helping her move into a new apartment and chimney and eddie walk into the kitchen and she says to buck he is so cute and buck of course assumes that she's talking about eddie and he's Mm -hmm. like he gets that a lot you should see him with his son and then maddie makes it clear she's talking about chimney (laughs) But that's a shock to Buck. And then over the course of this first season, people had started to like the dynamic of the two characters and the writer started to wink at it. So there's an episode at the end when it's Christmas and the two of them take Chris to go see Santa Claus at the mall. And as they're leaving, one of the elves at the mall is like, you two have an adorable son to Buck. And Eddie's already walked away. And Buck sort of is like, uh, 
thanks. <laughs> and he just walks away because he does not know how to handle that comment. So that's the origin of them in the first season that they're together. Pretty mm-hmm. quickly, they're very close. And then what happens in season two? Things get even more heightened. I assume you mean season three, the second right, season. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I want to pick a way to talk about it. It's like I want to just say their second season. Yes, their second season. That's fine. So kind of similarly to season two, season three starts with a big disaster that is impacting like most of the city, really, or a lot, large portion of the city. And in this case, it's a tsunami. So I didn't see this happen, but apparently the end of season two, Buck has a really bad accident. So he's on death duty or he hasn't even come back yet at the beginning of season three. And he's clearly very depressed because a lot of his identity is wrapped up in being a fire person. And so Eddie just to like get him to do something and get out of the house is like great you you have free time watch christopher today so he and christopher go to the pier santa monica pier and then a tsunami hits which obviously is a bad time and he tries really really hard to, to keep hold of christopher and he's trying to save other people while this is all happening and he loses track of christopher during the tsunami a bunch of stuff happens he ends up at like a a camp like an emergency medical camp where they're sending everyone yeah and eddie is there and he has to tell eddie that he lost christopher but luckily yeah (laughs) christopher's right behind him he's fine so they didn't really lose him for too long but of course you know eddie's like i know you did your best and i i trust christopher with you and he drops christopher off with him like the next day yeah buck has is sure that like he, you know, Eddie's going to write him off. He's never going to see him again because he lost track of Christopher. And then the next day, Eddie shows up and is like, you're taking care of Christopher again today. And Buck is shocked. And so Eddie has to tell him, there's no one in the world I trust with my son more than you. And it's like, you know, Buck is shocked (laughs) to hear that. So that's kind of like very early on in season three. The issues with Buck and his leg continue on where he's not being allowed to come back to work. He ends up suing the L.A. Fire Department. Yeah, he sues the city because like, they let him go back to work, but they won't let him be on active duty, even though mm-hmm. his his doctors have cleared him. So anyway, he sues the city and it drives a wedge between him and the firehouse obviously well he's not allowed to talk to them like at all while he's suing them and he didn't think through like what that meant for his interpersonal relationship with eddie and and christopher and so like yeah eddie's eddie's pretty upset i think well he's upset too because his ex-wife dies yeah at the same time (laughs) as this is happening the mother of christopher eddie's ex-wife who he had like kind of gotten back together with and then they were maybe going to break up again it was unclear she dies in an accident and so all these things are sort of like left unsaid and unhandled. And he is going through a kind of a spiral about it and dealing with all these anger issues. And he starts like street fighting to get out his aggression. <laughs> and he ha- can't talk to his best friend through this whole situation. So he's really pissed about it. So yeah, but eventually, you know, they resolve the problems and, and Buck comes back to the 118. Yeah. And then he, he forgives him, you know, they're best friends. He forgives him. So then at the end of season three there is this incident where a kid is trapped in a well classic firefighter situation and so they send down firefighters to bring the kid up eddie's down there to get the kid and like a lightning strike hits a crane that they're using for the winch that he's on and it falls over and the well caves in and there's no way for him to get out and when this happens buck who's still up like topside um 
loses his complete shit. Like he's freaking out and clawing at the ground like he's going to dig down there by hand to get Eddie out. And Bobby, his boss, is having to like hold him back from doing that. Super dramatic. And then, you know, of course, Eddie ends up being okay. The premise of the episode is like every main character gets an episode that's called their name begins. So like Eddie begins and you get all these flashbacks when he's down there to what it was like for him. He was in the army. So what it was like for him there. And then when he came back and his relationship with his parents and all of that. And so then his life flashes before his eyes. He sees Buck a bunch, of course he magically escapes and um, it ends up coming back later as an even more important moment than you know of at the time, but it's very dramatic and Buck freaks out. Buck always freaks out when Eddie's in danger, which is like a rough situation when you're both firefighters because they're constantly in danger all the time. (laughs) But then uh, what happens in season four? So I didn't actually watch too much of season four. There were a couple of of (laughs) clips. And then I guess what is, is that the finale, the Survivors episode when Mm -hmm. Eddie gets shot? So yeah, there's a reason you didn't watch much of season four. And that is... They kind of lean away from their relationship for a lot of season four because they each have a lady in their life that's taking up a lot of their personal story time. Mm -hmm. So Eddie starts dating again, which he hasn't done since his wife died. Uh, And he's dating the his son's former teacher who a season or two ago he had like they had him flirt with a little bit and you like thought they were maybe going to date, but nothing came of it. And then they brought her back and they run into each other in season four and they start dating. And then that's a storyline because he has to tell Christopher and Christopher doesn't take it well. And he runs to Buck. He like takes his dad's phone and orders an Uber and goes to Buck's house. And Eddie has no idea where he is. It's pretty dramatic, but that's what's going on in Eddie's world. And then Buck This is funny because both of these women came back from earlier seasons. Buck is rekindling a friendship with a woman that used to be kind of like a fuck buddy a couple of seasons ago. Local newscaster person who they had a contentious relationship with earlier on, but then they come back. They become friends for this season. She's very adamant through most of the season that they're not going to get back together and they're only going to be friends. (laughs) And then in the at the end of the second to last episode of the season... Eddie gets shot by a sniper who's targeting firefighters. And then, as we've seen, Buck obviously doesn't handle it well. So that leads us into the finale where lots of stuff happens. Yeah, so they have to, you know, track down this this sniper and there's a whole rigmarole with this guy. But I don't know. I think the essential thing right to take away is, is Buck is not handling the fact that Eddie got shot well. He feels it should have been him. Uh, yeah, he also, has very low sense of self-worth, does Buck. Also a little reminiscent of the finale of Hawaii Five O, where mm. Steve is like, take me instead, just not Dano. It is funny that that's so fresh in our memories. Yeah. And there are a lot of similarities, really. And, you know, at the end of the episode, Eddie. <laughs> so wait, you missed a beat, because while oh, okay. Eddie is in, like, surgery or whatever... Buck is the one who has to take care of Christopher. So he's the one who has to like make sure Chris is okay. But he's also the one that tells Chris that his dad is hurt. All right. And he has a total breakdown. And Chris is like, don't worry. Chris comforts yeah. him, which is really inappropriate. Chris about his dad. <laughs> <laughs> but then he stays with Chris while Eddie's in the hospital. And then once it becomes clear, 
that Eddie's going to be okay. Then there is an important scene that I assume will have consequences in the next season. Yeah, so, Eddie reveals to Buck that he's made him the legal guardian of Christopher if, if Eddie dies. So he's like, see, you're not unimportant. You're essential. And, and he announces that he made this decision after the well incident from a full right. season ago. Yes. And he just didn't mention it to Buck because he was like saving it for a time that he felt like Buck needed to hear it, I guess. It's kind of a fascinating secret to keep. So that's where we leave off with the two of them where like, oh, I missed one beat. Carla, the woman who takes care of Christopher, meets Eddie's girlfriend in the episode before okay. and is like kind of like I'm happy you guys are happy but she's asking him how he actually feels about the relationship and he talks to her about how great Chris thinks it is and like Chris is having a great time with her and Carla is like make sure you're following your heart not just Christopher's and it's kind of like what's that supposed to mean (laughs) as a thing to keep in mind leading into the finale but that's where we leave off with the two of them for the moment obviously there's more show to come yeah so I, I think that is important we'll loop back around to it the show isn't over. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not even a, like a situation where there could be a revival. The show just isn't. No. Yeah. Over. It's not in danger of cancellation. It's yeah. coming back. I just think more. this might be the first thing that we've actually done where there's not some kind of conclusion so far. Well, leverage, I think we knew was going to have a revival season. When we but when it, it was over for a while. So it was over. Yeah, you're right. It's I think the only thing we've done that's actively airing. So that will play into our conversation later on. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, I think that probably gives you the gist of the two of them. And we can move along to what the actors say and do about the ship. Now, the actors playing these characters are Oliver Stark, who plays Buddy, and Ryan Guzman. No, Buddy, who plays Buck. (laughs) And Ryan Guzman, who plays Eddie. And we also actually also have a little quote from Jennifer Love Hewitt, who plays Buck's sister, Maddie. But we'll get to that later. So Oliver Stark has said a lot of things about Buck and Eddie. He is somebody who's, you know, active on social media and engaging with fans and all of that situation and has not been shy about talking about this relationship. So I guess I'll give these to you in like vaguely chronological order to see if there's any evolution in what he says about them. So in 2019, which would have been probably after the second season, this is the earliest quote about them. Mm -hmm. He says, the truth is, I don't know where the story is going in regards to Buddy. I've always spoken openly about how amazing I think it is that you're invested in these two characters, and I totally support that, but I feel uneasy about retweeting stuff because I know it can sometimes come across as me confirming something that's going to happen. I don't want to get anyone's hopes up. Our writers 100% care about you and respect the audience. I love getting to work for them and completely trust in their ability to craft the story. So he's already into this, like, I support you, but I don't want to be on the record kind of situation. Yeah. Which we know how actors have gotten themselves in trouble being on the record before. That we do. (laughs) Then a year later in 2020, he gets asked about the Buck Eddie dynamic in terms of like how they started to where their relationship ends up. He says the writers and creators of the show did something very clever when they didn't have us butting heads for very long. We moved past that pretty quickly and Eddie and Buck have been able to have this very positive, whatever you want to call it, friendship, bromance. I know a lot of people look at it as more than that. I'm very lucky to be part of the show that's so talked about. Keeping it vague, PR trained, great answer. (laughs) 
they ask if people if he's seen the fan videos that people make about Bacchanetti because this is it's one of the more common things I think in this fandom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are more into videos. Sometimes people are more into fic. You know how it is. This fandom is not into creating a fan lore page. Honestly, what the hell? Where's your fan lore page? Nine one one. Not just this ship. There is no nine one one on fan lore. Yeah fascinating so anyway they ask him about the fan videos he says oh absolutely me and ryan send them to each other all the time for me if that relationship stays platonic or if it were to become intimate i think there's so much goodness that comes out of it i'm so astounded by how talented the people who are who put these fan videos together they genuinely have careers in editing if they want to move into that the videos pull on my heartstrings it's always nice to support the fan work that's a thing more actors should do because you can't get in trouble for it to just be like you guys are amazing That's true. That seems like a safe move. Yeah. (laughs) And then post season four, which is where we find ourselves now, he gets asked, you're very aware the relationship between Buck and Eddie has become the cornerstone of the show. And showrunner Tim Minier has said that he doesn't want to define that relationship anytime soon. But as an actor, do you feel that at some point soon you want to see some sort of decision made either way about where the relationship actually is or could be going? He says, I really feel for Tim in these moments. I truly believe he's trying to serve the story, the characters, and the audience at the same time and do what he feels is right. I don't say this lightly, but I think he's a genius. I love everything he puts together, so I give myself over to him and give him my trust. I understand what he means when he says he writes a scene and they come to life in a way he maybe did not expect when he created these characters. But he is right when he says there's a definite chemistry between the two of us on screen, and we'll see what happens in the coming season. Always good to just be like, Anything could happen. Keep watching. (laughs) Very noncommittal. Yeah. When did you realize fans were seeing the chemistry between you and Ryan? Has it changed the way you approach Buck and scenes with Ryan? He says, I don't think it's changed the way I approach the scenes. The job of the actor is to try and play with the most truthful thing within the moment and take into consideration, even subconsciously, the relationship we've built between us as characters. I don't know if there's now a conscious decision made about particular moments. It's just playing the truth of the moment, and then we see that result on screen. I don't think there was a particular moment where we realized these characters can mean something to each other. Maybe at the end of the earthquake episode, when Buck was the one to drive Eddie to pick up Christopher. Thinking back to that shot of Buck sitting in the car and watching Eddie pick Chris up, and now knowing of Buck's childhood, that's certainly a meaningful moment to him to see that parent-child relationship in a way he never quite had. He agrees with you about that moment being very meaningful for their relationship. That look indicated meaningfulness meaningfulness and again for everyone to remember that's like the third episode of them and being together yeah (laughs) one word to describe fans is passionate and i know you've struggled with certain factions of the fandom even leaving social media how have you been coping with that pressure over the years do you have a support system or speak to any cast members about it and he says not really and maybe i should because i get caught up in my own head and thoughts about it i recently stepped away from social media I think it's a very intense environment and things can feel heavier or louder than they were maybe intended. I felt no animosity toward any faction of fans. People have every right to make comments or jokes, but I have every right to remove myself from that situation if it doesn't make me feel good about myself. So it's not a step back forever, but certainly for now, the healthiest thing for myself is to put my attention elsewhere. Honestly, I think more actors should take a step back from social media more often than they do because it just seems like a rough place. Even if people like you on it, it's like, I don't know, man. That seems tough. So good for him. Take a step back. That brings us to Ryan Guzman, the other half of our pair, who says less. Mm -hmm. I guess I would be remiss to say there was like a little bit of a Ryan Guzman scandal. 
the last year involving like Ray stuff and he said a thing about like people should be allowed to say the n-word with their friends and then everyone else in the cast had to rebuke him so oh, he's wow. got a lot going on on social media okay this is news to me right now <laughs> you're learning you're really blindsiding me with this ryan guzman information I was going to say he doesn't say as much about them, but then I felt like I can't leave out that side of what he does say on social media. You're right. It's not super relevant to this conversation, right. but good to know. Anyway, my one quote from him about Buck and Eddie is they asked him, people seem really excited by Buck and Eddie's bromance. Did that surprise you? He says, oh, yeah, that's the ongoing conversation that Oliver and I always end up talking about. We'll start sending pictures around of people that have tweeted us or Instagram us and be like, have you seen this one yet? And in fact, there was one video where they took a bunch of pictures of me and my fiance. And in the middle of the video, they scribbled out my fiance's face and put bucks in. So we were having fun with it. We were laughing about it. But I don't think we ever thought that it was going to grow to where it is now. I think we just thought, okay, these guys are going to get along and they're going to become best friends. But this whole bromance thing and the brothers feel is all new that we didn't expect. So I feel like that's more traditional, like bromance brothers answer that people Mm -hmm. usually give in these sort of situations not as much of uh oliver's reaction but my favorite probably and i had to throw this in is jennifer love hewitt she is on cameo as all of the fun actors are these days with their free time so (laughs) somebody had her make a cameo and i guess they mentioned buddy and in her response She says, I hear that you insist Buck and Eddie will be a couple. Well, let me just say this. I think so, too. I'm rooting for it. I think it would be amazing. And I'm constantly joking with both of them about it. So we've got one fan on the on the in the cast, I guess I should say. Again, very similar to the only person we found really supporting it in McDano was Michelle Forth. Michelle Forth. Yeah. Although so. Jennifer Love Hewitt does not seem to get in fights with people on social media. So no, that's I mean, different. that part's different. But in terms of who's most explicitly being like, yes, I would love to see it. In that situation, she was a love interest for one of those guys. So that made it a little bit different. Unlike yeah. Maddie here. But it is a little bit easier when you're not one of the guys to be like, I love it. They should get together than when you're one of the actors and you have to be like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to tell anyone that we're definitely going to get together or that we're definitely not going to get together. You can say you love it. Anyone can be Oscar Isaac. (laughs) That's true and not true. No one else can be Oscar Isaac. The man is incredible. But anyone could try. It does take. That's right. You can aspire. We can all aspire (laughs) to be Oscar Isaac. And be out there actively demanding that the studio let you kiss your co-star. Yeah. But that is where we are with the actors. And we normally would segue into Tim Minier, but I think we're going to save that for the end with the fan creator interaction and all that. So we should talk about the literature. Now, funnily enough, the day that we're recording this, the 2021 AO3 ship stats have been released. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. I mean, honestly, go check it out because there are wild stories on there and role-playing Minecrafters are going to be the story of the next year, guys. It also seems like the pandemic had a real impact on people maybe coming back to their fan fiction. If by their fan fiction you mean everything Harry Potter related, then yes, <laughs> because there is a resurgence in like almost every Harry Potter related ship out there. But anyway, this is important for our conversation because on the 2020 list of 100 top ship stats of all time, Buddy does not appear. 
but on the 2021 list, they're now number 90, making their first appearance. They had a big year the last year. They have about 8,500 AO3 stories, and they're, you know, moving up in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the most kudos fanfic that we both read for this is called A Leaf Falls on Loneliness by Impossible Things. What's the, what's the flavor? Tell me about the fic. I did read the fic this week. She read it, guys. I remembered. (laughs) So there's that. It is, once again, a slightly longer fic. Not, you know, incredibly long, but it's over 11,000 words. And it's a little angsty, I would say. It's not quite a a fluffy fluffy fic. It's sort of um, centered on Buck. It's about him trying to deal with all of his trauma. He has a lot of trauma. You'll be happy to know, everyone, that at the beginning of season four, he started seeing a therapist. So that's That's good. good. He's working through his issues. So yeah, it's him trying to to manage all of his his trauma and also not being able to tell Eddie that he loves him in a romantic and sexual way. And so by the end of the the story, he does. And they've both confessed to each other their love. But yeah, it's more about like, Buck has a lot of various traumas and also feels like, you know, really low self-worth and fear of abandonment because of his parents. And you didn't watch the episode about his parents, but they really get into that in the Buck Begins episode. And so, yeah, he feels like he can't tell anyone because he doesn't want to be a burden. Yes. And it's fucking him up. So you got to talk to people, everybody. But yeah, angsty, Buck-centric. They get together. All is happy in the end. Yeah. That's our... So now... Let's get to the creator, Tim Minier, who is our showrunner, who also has a lot to say about Buddy. I will again go chronologically because it seems like a good way to experience quotes. <laughs> and so sure. in early in early days, <laughs> what better way to experience quotes is there than chronologically? You know, thematically, uh, reverse chronologically. <laughs> I could do that if you want. I already got him queued up chronologically, so reverse (laughs) chronologically would be no problem. But I do like to see sort of the The evolution, um, the evolution of how people talk about these things as they as they write the show and as they interact with more fans, which he does mention later on. So in he's talking about in the season two moment with the elf who says that they have an adorable son. They ask him about that. He says, I know a lot of people are getting that vibe between Buck and Eddie, which is why I put that little joke at the end. Basically, the winsome elf was speaking for the audience. And I'm not saying that the fountain shooting up behind them meant anything metaphorically. You decide. (laughs) So he starts off in that classic showrunner way of people are noticing this couple that I didn't think of as a couple. And maybe I want to like winky winky at it a little bit. Let's have some fun with it. And we're all having fun here, right? Exactly. So that's how how people dip their toes into this sort of conversation with one of these ships. And then it could go one of, you know, a few different ways as they continue to interact with fans. So then already by 2020, a year later, the tone has soured a little bit. So apparently he's experiencing like... Oliver Stark seems to have a bit of hostility on the interwebs. When you're on Mm -hmm, Twitter, mm -hmm, some people mm -hmm. are going to be a little bit aggressive. So he says, why some people think the hostility would make me more inclined to do the thing they want is weird. But I also don't want to feel like my knee jerk reaction to their hostility is influencing me in the other way either. So I'm done reading Twitter or engaging on any level. (laughs) 
Good call, man. I Always a good call. And a fan responds, I think a lot of us would like to genuinely engage with you on the idea of Buddy. I know there are people who take it too far, but I don't think it's fair to punish the entire fandom for a few bad people. And Tim says, I appreciate that. I just don't see how it's possible. The name calling and hostility has been pretty noisy. When I find myself responding to it, it's time for me to go. I refuse to get into a flame war with fans. Honestly, pretty healthy, I think, this whole interaction. <laughs> like, I totally like that Tim recognizes that having these interactions is coloring how he thinks about the show and he doesn't want that to happen. So, like, the healthy move is to probably just get out of there. I also appreciate that this fan is, like, not all of us are crazy and some of us actually want to have a conversation with you. And Tim is like, totally get that. But also, I can't be on this website anymore. (laughs) I get that too, Tim. So yeah, clearly like, whenever you dip your toe into this sort of conversation, there's going to be visceral reactions from the fans. And you can handle that in a couple of ways. And I know we've seen many showrunners in the past who have met with like conflict with fans and it has soured them <laughs> on the entire concept of whatever the fans are asking for. And so I think it's interesting to see Tim be like, I don't want to be swayed by this, so I should just leave. <laughs> like, I think that's probably a good move. So then that's 2020. Now we find ourselves 2021 after the most recent season. So What does he have to say for himself about where we are with the relationship right now? He gets asked, it's no secret that Buck and Eddie's relationship has become a cornerstone of the entire 911 franchise. And a lot of people have fallen in love with the idea of them together. Oliver has even said that he doesn't think Buck could survive without his relationship to Eddie and Christopher. And we certainly saw evidence of that in the finale. And it's unlike any relationship that I've ever seen on television. Has there been an evolving dialogue in the writer's room to define the kind of love that is clearly there? Tim says... Yeah, it's come up specifically and continuously. I always get bagged on by the fans for stuff like this, but all the conversations that the fans have are conversations that happen in the writer's room. It's interesting because we had Eddie's character in season two, and from basically the moment Buck laid eyes on him, and it's mostly in the way that we introduced him with a particular song and putting his clothes on in slow Mm -hmm. motion (laughs) that may have started it from Jump Street, but you can't plan when actors have chemistry together, and I think Ryan and Oliver have a ton of chemistry together. Now, how you want to define that chemistry, I think, is its own kind of evolving thing, which is why I don't want to define it because the show's not over. So I'm not even really sure how to answer that question. I know that there's a contingent of fans that would like a certain outcome, and the relationship has a life of its own in fandom in that respect. But I do think that, look, at the very least, these are two guys who have a deep spiritual bond with each other. And by the way, I have seen it on television before. I've seen it in Band of Brothers. Love Band of Brothers. It's that kind of out there on the front lines. Hen and Chimney have it as well. So if there's more than just that kind of chemistry between Buck and Eddie, and a lot of people see that, I'm not going to deny what they're seeing, but I know that's not a satisfying answer to your question. Well, let me ask you this then. Because of the way that the show has been written and the fact that there have been so many nods to Buck and Eddie's dynamic, the show has been accused of, and I don't use this word lightly, queer baiting the viewers. Tim says, yeah, I'm aware of that. What do you have to say to the viewers of the show who feel that way and who feel like they're being strung along by the writers? I'm actually not sure how to respond to that, to be honest with you. The show's not deliberately queerbaiting the audience, but what I also don't want to do is not keep writing these characters the way I see them. And whatever it is they're taking out of the portrayals of these characters is being generated somehow on the page and the way that the scenes are being performed. 
like I said before, it's almost got a little bit of a life of its own. And I don't want to strangle that because I think there's something that's kind of alive about it. And in a way, I don't apologize for it either. (laughs) So, okay, a lot to unpack here. It's Mm -hmm. interesting to see a showrunner talk in such specific terms about like queer baiting as they're writing the show and about what goes on in the writer's room and like all of this. So initial reactions. So I think my reaction in general to Tim's responses is... You know, we've talked before about the difficulty of the fact that you're making a commercial product, right? So you you need to keep the fans happy. And there is certainly an incentive to do what the fans want you to do. But I also do think, right, similar to the fact that he stepped away from Twitter and social media, as a creator, you should tell the story you want to tell. And that's what you put out into the world. And people can react to it as they react to it. And I appreciate the, his perspective that he doesn't want to be swayed either way. He doesn't want mm-hmm. to be pushed into something by the fans if that wasn't his intention, the storytelling, but he also doesn't want to not do something just to spite people. So overall, right. you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciating his perspective. And if that is the approach he's taking, he's not doing something specifically to please or displease or attract or, reject fans he's just writing the story he wants to write in the way that he and his writer's room have and are continuing to write it so if that's the case then he's not queer baiting the audience if we go back to that definition of like the purpose of queer baiting is to attract a certain audience right and keep that audience without following up on it so i can see his perspective that that's not what they're doing if they are writing the story they always intended to write the way they intended to write it and while there is you know the early quote of him putting that bit in with the elf it it's not like he's saying like and then I continued to put these little jokes you know in the show throughout that obviously was very early on in the relationship with the fans and and what this was and I've I don't know enough about his work to know if this would be like his first experience writing a popular show right like this no he's run other ryan murphy shows so he's like been a showrunner on a lot of big shows before okay and i'm sure has a lot of experience interacting with fans of those shows gotcha so yeah there's some there's a lot going on here it's very interesting i think we've had a like conversations many times before about in an ideal world what is a showrunner to do? How is a showrunner supposed to act in these mm-hmm. situations? And what exactly are they supposed to do? And it feels like, you know, in a world where you're just creating some art, obviously the thing to do is just like write the show you want to write. And like, don't let anyone sway yeah. you in any direction, write exactly what you want to write. And and the fact of it being a commercial product definitely changes things. But even within that framework, if again, we're if we just take him at his word, I Who knows if all of this is bullshit, but like if he's doing what he says he's doing here, he's trying to adhere to that as much as possible, even in a world where he's creating something he's selling and he needs people to watch it. Like you still want to be writing the show the way you think it should be written, (laughs) not without input from other people. And you're writing it like these are the characters. I think this is what the characters would do in these situations. And I don't want to be changing that for some bullshit reason that is different than like you know, the art, (laughs) whatever. So uh, it's interesting that, yeah, he says, I don't want to be swayed either way by what fans are saying to me. And they're asking him, are you queer baiting? And he's like, I don't want to not write the relationship being the way it is like this, you know, the intimate beats of their relationship. 
because then people will accuse me of queer baiting because it's like this is how exactly how I think the relationship should be and also there's this outstanding issue of it's not over like we have no idea if this will never be paid off in any way or like you know if they're gonna get closer and closer and closer and then in the last episode they're each gonna get new wives (laughs) or something like we don't know what will become of it and so it's hard to refute anything that he's saying like if in his mind they're just writing the story as it's supposed to be written i i also think it's interesting to hear him say in the writer's room all of the conversations you're having are the conversations we're having because Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times people are having this fandom conversation about characters and then are met with showrunners being like i don't even know where you're getting that (laughs) like where sure. do you, what are you guys even seeing when you're talking about these characters? And Tim's saying the opposite of that. He's saying, like, we see it. We see the, that they have a special intimate relationship that is different than most people's relationships. And we're still figuring out where that's going to go. And mm-hmm. you guys are making your own guesses and we're making our own guesses, too. And we're all going to see what happens, which feels in my mind pretty like healthy I guess (laughs) if there can be such a thing but yeah also him saying like I don't want to define the nature of their relationship because the show's not over yeah the show's not over what what is he expected to say in this in response to this question that would be more satisfying I guess other than like fans probably want him to say they're going to get married (laughs) well I guess you know arguably if he knows that they are not going in a direction, he could just say they're not yeah. queer characters. But I mean, in, again, unless he is lying to us, that's very much not what he's saying. He's not saying they're not queer characters. Well, he's... that's, yeah, that's why it makes it a little bit difficult, right, to have this conversation in process because mm-hmm. we don't know, like you said, they're currently both in relationships with women. And so we don't know if next season will be the last season of the show and they'll just go off on these like, you know, totally hetero directions and it will leave open the question of, well, when did they make this decision that they were definitely not going to be queer characters? Like, does he know now? Does he know halfway through next season? Is he going to make an announcement? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah. It's like, can we get an assurance from you, Tim, that the second you decide you'll let us know? (laughs) Right. Which I mean, like that that's the the heart of the queer baiting question of like right is it really still up in the air there's probably again unless they make an announcement no way that we'll ever know when in process they made this decision but it's really hard to say until the show ends a what everything looks like because if the show ends with them together then it certainly wasn't queer baiting exactly <laughs> yeah or it doesn't even have to end with them together but like if at some point they get together or right you know whatever like one of them announces their feelings for the other one or something like there are a lot of ways that this could many permutations of things that could happen but yeah i don't i mean we we don't we don't know don't know which is such an interesting place to be in but the implication of this is it's still a possibility right that they could be yeah very much that's the implication obviously we haven't done an episode about a show that's still in the air but like i have followed many a show that like as it was still on the air and doing its whole queer rating thing. And for most of them, sure, they don't say anything about what's going to happen with the queer baiting, but it's like, you know, it's not going to 
get consummated. Like if you're watching Hawaii Five-0 on CBS as it's happening, like you have to be, I mean, if you're like self-aware, <laughs> they're probably not going to get together. It's fucking CBS. <laughs> like, so I, I think what's interesting to me about this conversation, and yes, obviously there are no answers when a show is in progress, is I truly feel like I don't know the answer. I don't know what's going to happen at the end in a way that is interesting to me. Right. I mean, it, so a lot of the beats are similar to McDano, but in some ways this example is also, I think, similar to Teen Wolf in that anyone could have been gay. Like there was no like, it's CBS, right? Like there, there right, wasn't right, right. that. Yeah, it was MTV. The show was full of queer characters, kind of. They had their own issues, but yeah, that was, you know a gay creator. They wanted a world with no homophobia. And right. And that one still didn't turn out. And you saw us kind of a similar progression, right? Of the, of the showrunner from like playful to like, you guys are all bananas. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I would say that's a different progression though, because that's not at all where Tim has ended up. So like, no, I think it got much more contentious in Teen Wolf. And to be fair, Teen Wolf did a lot more queer baiting with, you know, the way that MTV was involved like in Like textbook queer baiting. Yeah. But, you know, Tim left Twitter and stopped engaging with fans. So it's it's not like we're still in a super positive space. It's just a lot less acrimonious. Yes and no. The way that, like, the interaction with fan space, you're right. It doesn't seem to have ended in a happy place. I think he is back on Twitter, though I don't know if he's still, like, what his level of engagement with fans is. But I would say that, like, the way that he talks about the ship is not negative in any way. I did feel like in Teen Wolf, they were all trying by the end to be like, stop shipping it. Even though they were encouraging people to vote for them. In yeah. Their- well, I think it, it did become more acrimonious in this. Like, maybe Tim stepped back sooner in the process. And then, <laughs> so it wasn't quite as negative an experience. And we also, right, don't know along the process of Teen Wolf, when they decided it just wasn't going to happen. So they may have known, like, this isn't going to happen. So it's not useful for the fans to continue to ship it and ask for it because it's not going to happen. Whereas we're still in the space with this show where they're not saying it's not going to happen. It's completely up in the air. But I think, yeah, there's some parallels to be drawn with that example. Certainly they started similar places. So I think when we see how this all ends up, it might be interesting just to, to look back and think like, where did these paths diverge or how did they come back together <laughs> in case things get much rougher in the 911 space? But yeah, I mean, I think it's just like a different tone and a different content to his response that I'm used to seeing showrunners use <laughs> when asked these types of questions. So that's interesting. And honestly, I'm just here for the mystery of it. I, I like the open question. I want to know what's going to happen. So do you want to play? Do you want to you want to place a a bet on the on? Ooh, maybe that is what we yeah. do. Maybe instead of is it queer rating question, we place a bet. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm more interested in your perspective because you actually watch the show and you know are, are more I think more invested in it. But yeah, we can, we can get you on the record for for how you think this is going to turn out, and then you know revisit whenever the show ends. There's just so many variables. So many variables. There's the what does the writer's room want to do question, which is mm-hmm. its own thing. And we have no idea. We can't get in their minds, but Tim at least seems like open to it. But then there's the 
like what if Fox cancels the show question <laughs> like then, sure. then what happens like if they haven't done it by the end of I mean the show seems to be doing well and I don't feel like it's in danger of cancellation mm-hmm. and they're definitely renewed for season five yeah right okay so we will see a season five but again like if the ratings tank and they don't get a season six even if they had planned on maybe doing something in season six you would never know so it's like there's so much stacked against it (laughs) that i feel like the odds are still low but higher than other shows here's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna say and this is not necessarily them like ending up together end game situation but like the odds that something canonically queer will happen between the two of them that's what i'm gonna say are 30 percent. that's my guess no wait that's not how do we judge that well we can't no i want you to say i'm putting my money on something canonically queer will happen well i guess if i say the odds are 30 percent, then i'm putting my money on something canonically queer will not happen okay but I, I hope to be wrong. Sure. <laughs> I hope to be wrong. But I honestly feel like 30% is like way higher than anything else that we've talked about. It's a yes or no question. Well, I mean, your question. I'm having my own conversation about here. About- well, I, I don't know how we like gauge percentages of like, oh, you're right. No, there's and- no way. You were right that it was 30%. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool if we could look back that way? I, yeah. I mean, I, I my instinct is still that nothing will happen because that is just my instinct in all of these situations. Do you think Tim Minear is being truthful that they have not made a decision, though, at this stage? I'd like to take him at his word. He seems, you know, pretty forthcoming in that quote. So I'm happy to believe him. Like, even though I still think it's not going to happen more than in any other conversation we've had, I think it could. And that is, (laughs) there's like, I, that makes me, um, Really, more than the Hannibal or the leverage? With the oh no! no. Well, I mean, in Hannibal, it the those things are canon. I don't know. Again, to what extent? If there's a no, new season of Hannibal, if the two of them are going to make out or whatever, I have no idea. But like in those worlds, the showrunners have said they're in love. It's in the fucking show that the Hannibal is in love with Will, and you know. Well, again, these are the conversations we're having about like what actually has to be on the screen you know, and what can just be what the creators say. Obviously, yeah, you're right, right? In Hannibal. In Hannibal, he asks if if yeah. Hannibal is in love with him and she says yes. Like that, it's on the that's screen. That's true. Like, yeah, that's true. But it, there's not established that will reciprocate. Correct. Though he does really love murdering that guy at the end with him. I mean, it's very romantic at the end. I'm not he taking. Says it's I'm not beautiful. Take, I'm not taking away from that, and that they both dive into the water together in an embrace. I'm not stepping yeah. away from that. No, but you're right. He has not said in the show that he is also in love with Hannibal. Right. Could be unrequited, but still canonically queer. Hannibal is in love with Will. Sure. Okay. You're betting no, but you're saying more likely than some of our other examples. Yeah. That's it's a sad place we are in the world, but that's where we are. Okay. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it's more likely. But we'll check back in whenever nine one one goes off the air. <laughs> Maybe it'll run for ten seasons. Who knows? Whenever it ends, we'll check back in. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I guess we can't really do like, why isn't it canon? It's not canon because show's not over. So we'll see. Do you feel, do you have a feeling about queer baiting? Should we be ranking it on a scale? Do we want to gender swap the characters? Oh, yeah, I definitely want to gender swap the characters. Again, always the debate. Who are we gender swapping? 
how do we feel about like if Eddie is a single mom and then Buck is like all up in their family business? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's potentially less interesting than the other way around. So still single dad. And then we have a woman. But I still, I mean, honestly, either way is less interesting than the dynamic that it currently is. Because it's like, if it's a single dad and then he's like, you know, struggling to be a single dad. And then a woman comes in and is like, Mm. I'm a nurturer. I'll help you with your child. And you're like, okay. (laughs) But I guess that's not the question. The question is, would they be together? That is the question. I mean, it's a really close relationship for a man and a woman to have on TV and have it not be romantic. Yeah, it would be interesting for Eddie to be a woman and then she just has her platonic male friend come in to take care of her child. That could be cute, actually. Yeah. Unusual dynamic. But yeah, it would be unusual on on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that is one word for so it. So I think they, they would be together. I think it's a, you know, it's like we talked about last week with the partners dynamic. It's a similar situation, really. Yep. Because the only woman on the squad is Hen, and she's a lesbian. So they don't have any straight female lady dynamic. Yeah, you're right. We There's no, like, test case on the show of what it's like for a straight woman to be a friend with somebody on the squad. All right. So, yeah. Gender swap test. They'd most they would probably be, yeah, maybe a couple. Yeah. Male female friends are not often out here helping Raising each other. Kids together. Kids. Yeah. It could happen. It could. I'm not saying it can't. But on TV, not not very frequent. I struggle to think of an example on TV. Yeah. All right. Well, that's nine one one. There's not a lot of conclusion to this episode because the conclusion is like stay we tuned. Have to see. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what will happen. Uh, do you want to read fan fiction more? I mean, I don't feel like a shit that you don't care about at all probably didn't do much for you. No. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, the fan fiction was fine. Yeah. It's all fine. It's all Everything's fine. fine. So <laughs> what are we doing next week? This is a special case. We're doing our first listener requested episode. Gotham. She might have forgotten she requested it at this point because it was so long ago. <laughs> it was a while ago that this request was made, but we're we getting will to it. Be talking about Ed Nigma and Oswald Cobblepot, who are the Riddler and the Penguin on Gotham. Yes. Their ship name is Nigmobblepot. Delightful. <laughs> now, neither of us had watched any Gotham prior to receiving this suggestion. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like the the core of the relationship happens in season three you've watched it i still have to but we'll get into it i'll discuss this when we get into it but i started watching it and i couldn't stop so yeah it teen wolfed you yeah teen wolfed me but we will get into that more next time not next week i'm training myself (laughs) in the meantime if you have thoughts about 911 i would like to hear your predictions if you have them i know i was hesitant to give an actual prediction but like let us know yours. If you have comments, questions, concerns, etc., reach out to us at ltbkpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell a friend. New episodes of the pod come out every other Friday at 6 o'clock Eastern, wherever you get your podcasts.